Zakawani, the flying winger. Oh, goodness me! He doesn't need anybody, Steve Zakawani! Steve Zakawani was never fun to stick up against. If it wasn't for Zakawani, none of this is possible. It's Steve, it's Steve. <laughs> this is so weird. Steve Zakawani! What's going on, everyone? Steve Zakawani here with the final Winging It with Zakawani podcast of the year and probably the easiest one to record. We're about 10 days removed from the major final we saw here at CenturyLink Field, where the Sounders, for the second time in four years, became MLS Cup champions, but the first time doing it here in Seattle at home in front of almost 70,000 fans. We'll talk about that atmosphere because I've seen some things in that stadium, but this was, wow, right up there with anything I've ever seen before. The fans really, you know, you outdid yourselves. You came out, you showed out and made it a fortress. So, but we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the game as well because we have to give Toronto FC some credit. Um, I thought up to the 60th minute or whenever that first goal went in, um, they were the better team actually. And sometimes it's funny. It works like that. So we'll talk about that. Delighted to say that we'll be joined for the end of season wrap up and looking ahead to next year with the head coach, the man of the moment, Brian Schmetzer. Um, we're going to catch up with him. We're going to talk with him, pick his brain, see how he's feeling, talk about the job he's done so far. Um, and then just talk about him. Talk, talk to Schmetz about, you know, there was a lot said about him in the lead up to the MLS Cup final. And I want to see kind of how comfortable slash uncomfortable he was with that because he's the kind of guy who wants to keep all the attention on the players and on the team and on everyone but himself wants to do his job. So we'll talk with him and then we'll give a small preview maybe for the off season and what we can expect next year. The Champions League is back. So it'd be a very short off season again for the Sounders. That's the flip side of the coin to winning MLS Cup. But it's a great time to be a Sounders fan. Great time to be, you know, someone associated with the Sounders just because can we say it's a dynasty? I don't know. That's very much an American sports term thing. What I can say is just it's a great franchise who set the standard for 10 years and continues to set them, break them, set them, break them, set them higher and then break them again. And what we saw take place this season was just simply phenomenal. The game. Toronto FC were the better team. They actually were the better team. I'm sorry. But up until the first goal, let me be clear. The Sounders came to play. After that first goal, you have to get the second one. That's the dagger. That's the one that killed the game off. Seattle did just that. And then it was game over. I didn't see a way back for TFC. But sometimes a final, when it's at home, that added pressure, it can get to you. I don't know if the pressure got to Seattle, but they won at their sharpest, one at their best. I didn't think, you know, if I think back to the first half, we saw too much of Nicolas Ladero, of Jordan Morris, of Raul Ruiz Diaz, of the star men, although Raul had a fantastic chance just before halftime um, that was saved by the goalkeeper where normally he buries, which he did in the second half, of course. So there was a chance there. But in terms of which team looked more like themselves, it was TFC. Um, they were popping the ball about. Their movement was very dynamic. Um, Alejandro Pozuelo, who 
is just a star. It was fantastic again for them. Um, they, they were very, very, very good. They were missing a forward who could finish all of the wonderful approach play they were playing. That man was sitting on the bench due to an injury, Josie Altidore, and then he came on and he scored. So you think in their minds, wow, what if he'd been able to start the first half? Maybe it's a different game. I'm sure that'll be eating away at Greg Vanny, the head coach, all off-season because you just never know. It's going to be a game of what if for them. But here's where I give the Seattle Sounders credit. Hung in there. Wasn't quite at the, we're not quite at our best. Our passing isn't what it, it should be. We're not creating as much as we would like in front of our 67,000 fans. The final, biggest game in franchise history. We're not quite there. Stuck with it. When you're at halftime, had a little conversation, I'm sure. Came out second half, weathered a little bit of an early storm, and then it was all Seattle Sounders from then on. The first goal goes in. I'm going to say Kelvin Ladham scored. I know they, I think they switched it to an own goal. Listen, if the right back gets that high up the pitch, does that great move he did, does all that work, I'm going to give it to him. So Kelvin Ladham scores that goal. um, And Seattle don't look back. 1-0. The second goal goes in. The third goal from Raul, which at first I thought maybe was a foul on Chris Mavinga when he was tracking him. It wasn't. Just a great hustle play by Raul and a great finish. And the place went nuts. It went crazy. Even the late goal by Jose Altudo couldn't dampen the spirits of the team. And then the celebrations on the pitch afterwards was everything you'd expect. There was Sounders present, Sounders past, maybe Sounders future. There was a lot of kids and academy players all on the pitch. Um, the extended family was there. It just was great. Was a great energy, something fantastic to be a part of. Um, you know, so many memorable things happened. You know, I wish maybe I could have partook in the celebrations a bit more, but I had to work, so I had to go on air um, with our partner Q13. But we did get a legendary drunk Chad Marshall interview, which was absolutely fantastic. He came over. And right away, he said, I'm drunk. I shouldn't be here, but let's do it. And he was great. And we got to speak with him and Stefan Fry. So it it was just fantastic. And they really captured what the mood and the atmosphere was. You know, I got to shake hands and give hugs to so many people who we all mean a lot to each other. And, you know, it was the 11 guys plus the subs plus the players who wanted the match day squad and the coaching staff that deserved the credit and the equipment staff, the trainers, the 2019 Seattle Sounders staff is what deserves the credit. But then you take a step back and you give a lot of praise to the new ownership group that has come in, um, to Adrian, who's been there from day one, um, holding the fort down, um, just everybody. Um, So I think it's just such an incredible thing to experience. And when I got home that day, I was thinking that would have really, really been bad if we lost. It just would have been so bad. That whole build up, having everyone in town, people flying in, the fans came. It was all set up for the Sounders to win and to, to have watched Toronto FC celebrate um, at CenturyLink would not have been good. So I'm very grateful that the boys avoided that fate and capped a marvelous, marvelous season. Listen, the regular season belonged to LAFC. They won the West by quite some distance, but Seattle Sounders were second. And I could be wrong, I don't think I am. I don't think the Sounders have ever ended below second in the West under Brian Schmetzer. 
That in itself is the, that's that's what I care about the consistency. Thirty four games. How good were you for thirty four games? Because let's be honest, the MLS Cup is four wins, three wins now if you get the number one seed. So you just got to get hot at the right time, and more teams can win it. But how many teams can be good over thirty four games? Wednesday night away in Colorado when you're missing so many players or the weather's not good or Houston in the summer. I mean, that 34-game marathon is where you measure yourself. And since Brian Schmetzer became the head coach here, and even in the Ziggy Schmidt era, it's always been the measuring stick, really, for are we trending as a club in the right direction and finish second, 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 second. Um, No, lower than second is a great testament to the endurance and the quality of the team we have here. Now, we don't do fifth place, sixth place. If we can't win MLS Cup, we're going to make sure we have the best possible regular season. And that's something that I think shouldn't get lost in all of this. The, Sound- the Sounders didn't squeeze into the playoffs, didn't sneak in. They were there because it was deserved and took the hard road through. Had to go to LA, the powerhouse the best regular season team potentially in history. You can argue TFC 2017, Atlanta United 2018, New York Red Bulls, you can argue, but they're in that conversation. And Seattle went to Bank of California Stadium and played them off the park and deserved to be in the final. Absolutely. Bob Bradley would admit that and tell you. Carlos Vela would admit that and tell you. On the day, who was better? Seattle was the better team. So the road wasn't handed to Seattle. It was a tough road. And the Sounders excelled across 34 games and then in the four-game mini-tournament that is the MLS Cup playoffs. And proved once again, the number one soccer team here in North America. Third final in four years, second win in four years. Fantastic. Bravo to the... 2019 Seattle Sounders team and everyone connected to it. I'm sure it's been 10 days of celebration and there will be more. But the question now is, what next? And that's what we'll try to answer after I speak with Brian Schmetzer and pick his brain. So stay tuned because Brian Schmetzer is coming right up. That's always a little awkward. I love you for it, but... Thank you. Thanks to all of my family over here, all my family up there, everybody here in the city of Seattle. Thank you for this. Thank you for Sunday. Thank you for a lot of years, 40 some odd plus years for some of us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to say I'm joined now by my good friend, the head coach, Brian Schmetzer. Uh, I'm going to start right where I should start. We're 10 days removed from the MLS Cup win here. How have the last 10 days been for you? Not casual. (laughs) You were saying this was going to be a casual chat and all that, and I know your intentions are great. Uh Um, It's been actually, Steve, seriously, it's been a little hectic. Mm -hmm. Look, I I love the parade. I, I, I absolutely love the parade, and certainly Monday was like you're just sitting back and you're just like reflecting on what just happened to you. And then... You know, I was looking at all the, the highlights of the March of the Match and trying to respond to all the text messages of congratulations back. I mean, I yeah. spent a good portion of Monday <laughs> yeah, text just <laughs> texting and emailing people back, you know. I'm sure. Uh, but Tuesday was great. I mean, the the, the, the day, the, the parade, the celebration. 
And then it was, I mean, we had to put our work yeah. hats back on. Yeah. I mean, we had to talk to the players on Wednesday. We had to start planning for preseason. I mean, we've been, we've been doing some work. Yeah, yeah. No, I bet, and because it's a short off season with the Champions League, I did want to ask you that. Do you think the past experiences are going to help you this time? Because I don't know, I can't remember the exact year, but I think the short off season right into the Champions League has almost affected your MLS start in a bad way. Some of it was injuries and stuff as well. How do you kind of use your past experience to make sure that doesn't happen yeah. this year? Well, the the last, the, the Champions League experience when I was the head coach, because mm-hmm. obviously I went through a bunch with Zig. Yeah. Um, I learned a lot because, you know, we, 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 we had to play in league matches. We were playing that first game away when Jordan got injured yeah. and I was trying to make two teams and which was going to be the starter you know who's going to start the the home match against LAFC versus who is going to play away in Champions League and I learned from that that you couldn't split the group the group has to just be one it has to be joined together and all the players have to be ready instead of kind of already okay these are the guys I think are going to play here and these are the guys that I think are going to play here because what happened was when we went down to 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 Chivas I mean Will got hit in the head. Chad Marshall. Chad Marshall. Uh, uh, Deuce had to go play as a number nine, and he hated that. And you know, it was a, it was a disaster. It was a disaster. So I need everybody to be ready. Uh, we started Henry Wingo down in in yeah. A, a Azteca. Yeah. And he had a chance right in the yeah, first couple of minutes. Really, you know, it was like had we started the game yeah. off like that. I mean, I remember Clint was one of the ball, but Henry shot or whatever. But. Yeah. You know, I, I did learn some things, and you know, with the new playout format, uh, what I would say is we got a little, you know, maybe a couple weeks longer because remember, mm-hmm. it was December tenth, eleventh, yeah. whatever <laughs> yeah. it was in sixteen and seventeen. Yeah, and so we we have a little bit more time. Yeah, I want to look forward. I do, but I, I not often I can get to sit in front of you and ask you what I wanted to ask you. I want to go back to that game in LAFC, and yeah. here's why I want to talk about this game. One, I want to know, when the game was on a Tuesday, when did you and your staff decide this is going to be our game plan? Because it was genius. Because I know exactly what you did and why you did it. When did you decide that this is what we'll do? We're going to play this way. And why? Right after RSL. <laughs> you knew? <laughs> well, we couldn't. We, look, Gonzo, Jimmy, Precky. I mean, we after, the night after that RSL game, we were already talking about okay, what does training look like? Mm-hmm. Because it wasn't a lot. It wasn't a lot of time in yeah. between. Yeah. So we obviously hoped for the best against RSL. I thought we were at home and we were the favorites, and we could go through. So maybe there little little bit of maybe looking ahead, but it wasn't till after that RSL game because look, RSL was a good opponent. You can't look past yeah. your next opponent, or that gets you into trouble. So we really ratcheted up the game plan the night of the RSL game, and then the next morning we, we, you know, we devised the final little tactics that we wanted to, wanted to do for and try and, you know, work on for that couple of training days before we played them. That only works if the three or four chances you get, you finish them. And you did. You had four shots, three of them were goals. Um, how did you get Raul, Nico, Jordan, these guys to buy into the idea that you may not touch the ball as, you, as much as usual, I want you guys to more sort of p- 
pick and choose when to attack the spaces that the right, the right back and left back leave rather than dictate the game and Nico go everywhere. How did you get those guys to buy into that? Was it easy? It was easy. It was. I, I, I've said this before. I'll say it again. You know, we all see Nico. You all hear his, his commentary after games. He's such a team-oriented guy. Mm-hmm. That's why he's a good captain. Yeah. And he's always sacrificing, he's running, doing everything he can to make sure the team is, 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 comes first. The guy I love talking about is Raul because, look, our game plan was to, yes, of course, we're going to have to, we know we have to defend and, you know, whatever, but we wanted to defend higher up the field. We didn't want to get yeah. pushed back. It, it manifested itself that way, especially after we went up 2-1, they had pushed us back. And even during parts of the game, you know, it's just natural. Sometimes teams push you back, but our intent was to press higher up the field. Our line of confrontation was, again, 10 yards ahead of the circle. And you need buy-in from your center forward to do that work. And Raul was the one who started us in a good way defending because we needed all 11 players to defend. And he was the the starting point. I love that. Um, When in the game, you probably say when the whistle blew, but did you feel we've got this? Because I'm going to tell you, I watched the game, I had a pretty good view of it, I was watching it. Once you got 2-1 up, I never felt LFC were going to come back. I expected this team who scored all these goals, broke all these records, I just scored five, to really bring the onslaught. They had the one chance where Rossi crossed it just behind your Monday. I never felt that Seattle was going to lose the game. I felt every time we attacked, I, I wish knew he would have scored. I would have run onto the pitch because that was <laughs> when he made those two runs. <laughs> but did you, on the bench, how are you, did you feel that confident or is it always as a coach you're thinking, no, the worst could still happen? Well, you, you always fear the worst and hope for the best. I mean, that's just normal. But I, I have to agree with you, Steve. I mean, I, I, I tell a story to, to some of the, the, the people that are asking me questions about coaching and yeah. some of the, the people I know, Chance Fry and Dickie and you know all my friends, all the guys that want to know about the inside details. Yeah. I had never seen our team so mentally focused as prior to that LAFC game. The activation that Hillary does before the before the guy the guys hate it. Yeah. They're always you know, talking, you know, not paying attention. Hillary had them like this. I mean, they were like laser focused. They were doing every exercise to the best of their ability. You know, before the game, I almost had to calm them down. I had to say, okay, look, because everybody was talking. They're going, come on, dale, dale, let's go. And I said, look, hang on. Last words for me. Everybody stop. Just breathe. Just let's, let's take a couple deep breaths here. Total concentration. Nico, the room is yours. And then I left. And those guys were so laser focused that when we went up 2-1, I agree with you. I felt yeah. confident. Yeah. The, other, the other side of that was if you looked at LAFC's body language yeah. after 2-1, they were like going, what is going on here? Yeah. Because they didn't have an answer. Mm-hmm. They, they were frustrated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I absolutely agree with you. The week leading up to the MLS Cup, how were you able or what did you have to do to keep the distractions to a minimum. Um, just from something simple like the ticket request. I mean, everybody's phone. I'd, I've not kicked a ball for the Sounders in five years and I've never got so many messages for tickets. And <laughs> I said, I'm, I'm not on the team. So it's like, I can't imagine for you and the guys on the team, um, people flying in, family. How do you keep it as in 
we still have a 90 minute game to play maybe 120 yeah. what did you have to do well it's a it's a great question because it opens up the door the opportunity for me to talk about Gene Ramirez about yeah. Grant Clark about Vince Johnson about some of the guys behind the scenes that nobody would ever hear those names yeah. i had 74 ticket requests <laughs> i fulfilled 74 tickets oh wow yeah. right and so all the players were getting stuff but we said by wednesday for the sunday game that was it mm-hmm. now there were a couple of Thursday requests and Friday requests that, <laughs> that, that Vince and Gene had to kind of sort through. But we said, no, by Wednesday, all of the parking passes, the tickets, the where are the people sitting, the suites, the family, all that was done by Wednesday so that they had the normal, yeah. as normal as it could be because there was a pile of press out there. Yeah. Um, the normal four-day lead-up into a game. Yeah, so you, 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 you feel... I want to talk about the game. Did Toronto not surprise you, but up until the first goal, which I think has been officially called an on goal, but I'm going to give it to Kelvin um, just because if a right back goes that high and does what he did, you deserve the goal. Um, TFC first half, especially, their movement, their passing, they looked very, very sharp. Did the game, what happened in that first half where they made the better start and what adjustments did you have to make at halftime? Um... So you asked me, what surpri- was I surprised by Toronto? Yeah. It was not surprised that Toronto wasn't going to be ready for the game. Mm-hmm. What I was surprised about was how poorly we played. Yeah. That's what surprised <laughs> me, if you want the honest answer. Um, it was, it, it, you know, when I reflect back on my coaching in the lead up to the week and the tactics and did we get it right and were there some things that we changed at halftime? Yeah, we flopped Jordan and Jove and that was the easy one. We talked about, you know, pushing, if we couldn't get out of our half, pushing Jordan up next to Raul and playing in a four four two diamond. We, we, we had tactics in place for the second half, but, but Kelvin scored his goal, which I agree with, was double deflection. So it deflected off the first guy when it was heading towards goal. Yeah. And then it veered off course and went back on. So I'm okay with Kelvin getting credit for the goal. <laughs> Kelvin, thank you very much, <laughs> you know, if you're listening. But, but no, I was, I was surprised that, that our team didn't play up to its potential. And the reason for it is this. The reflection that I have as a coach is, you know, during the LAFC game, which everybody is saying, all the experts were saying, that's the best they'd ever seen a Seattle Sounders team play, there was a little bit of different subtle pressure in the final compared with LAFC. LAFC, people didn't expect us to win. I could use that little chip of, hey, look, everybody thinks you're going to lose, so let's get after it. Let's, you know, there was that little bit of underdog uh, mentality that we could touch upon. And then the roles were reversed for the final. Hmm. Toronto, I know Greg Vanny. Greg Vanny was saying, look, there's going to be 70,000 people in the stadium and we want to send them home yeah. pissed off, right? He was using the underdog card for his team. And my team had the opposite pressure. And I'm not afraid to address issues or problems that I think are important, but a lot of the debate in the mental preparation of the team amongst us coaches mm. was how much do we message the subtleties of the differences of pressure that the players are going to feel on Sunday? And some of the coaches said, don't bring it up at all. Mm. 
but I, I, I believed we needed to say something about it. And so when I reflect back on my words and how did I say it and, you know, I, I tried to use it in a positive fashion, <clears throat> you know, look, let's get the crowd into it. Yeah, there's pressure. Yeah, we're the home team, but let's use that to our advantage. Brad, the first time you fly by someone, the crowd's going to go, ooh, you know, yeah. Raul, the first time you touch the ball and the defender backs off and you can shoot from distance, you know, the crowd's going to, let's, let's use the crowd yeah. not as a deterrent or pressure, but as a positive. Yeah. It obviously didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it just didn't, it didn't manifest itself. So should I have been more direct and say, yeah, the pressure is different, so you guys just got to deal with it? Or should I have not said anything about the difference in pressure? Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I have a huge interest in, yes, the tactics, but also the man management side. And I want to ask you this. LAFC have Carlos Vela, MVP, great player, and Ariaga does a great job on him. You now have a decision to make because you have the beast on the bench, Roman Torres. How do you have the conversation with a guy who just played his best game for you, shut down the MVP in a group, but he did a great job on him. How do you then tell him you will not play the final? As a coach, how do you approach that kind of conversation? Well, those are the worst, absolute worst conversations to have. Because, you know, Ariaga, Javier was great. I mean, I I give him a lot of kudos for that game. I mean, look, some people, if you're an LAFC fan, said there might have been two penalties in there. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but but look, Javier, that first tackle set the tone. Yeah. The first shoulder charge outside the penalty box when set the tone for the team. So, you know, give credit to Javier. The conversation I had was not an easy one. I would say that, you know, I could tell Javier was disappointed. Yeah. But, you know, he moved on from it fairly quickly. His training that week and, you know, was good. I had told him before because we had a couple of day break before the normal four day lead in. <clears throat> I had already talked to him before, like the week before when we first got back to training. And I said, look, I haven't made up my mind yet, but look, Roman is coming back from a hamstring. If Roman is 100%, I have to make a tough choice. So I kind of told him a little bit. He trained well. We got into the normal four-day lead-in, and I had to, you know, choose a lineup. I had to make sure Roman was fit, number one. He had to go through some testing. And as soon as Roman Roman completed his testing, then I pulled Javi aside, and I said, look, I'm going to go with Roman. Yeah, yeah. I don't envy that side of the coach's job. Um, Let's look forward quickly before we go. 2020... How can you improve? Like what? Cause you can't just say you know win more trophies, yes. But what what areas are there for improvement for a team that's been to three finals in four years despite losing key players? You know, Brad Evans, Chad Marshall, Ozzy Alonso, Clint Dempsey, and still going, never finishing below second in the West. I actually said I thought your biggest achievement this year was finishing second because yeah. that's the, that's over thirty four games for me is a much better judge of consistency yes we love the MLS Cup yes we all enjoy the playoffs but what you've done each 34 game block I think is the improvement I want to throw in as well the Champions League how much do you have to we know now what it's like to win the MLS Cup away and at home an Open Cup away and at home we don't know yet what it's like to win the Champions League so how much is that in your thinking and what areas can this great team still improve so I'm told everybody at the Starfire staff here what I learned, my reflection from 2016 and 2017. So 
2016 was, in many ways, it was a blur for me. I mean, yeah. we, we I, I got the job, and we were winning, and, and all of a sudden, we won a championship. And after we won, after the final in 2016, it was like, okay, what do we do now? You know, <laughs> I just didn't know. It was like, okay, what are we going to do? And so I've said this to the press. I said, 2017, we had a slow start because... You know, I think a little bit of complacency had crept in. You know, we had the same group of players and, you know, some of the guys were still pretty pleased with their performance in MLS Cup. And, you know, the coaching staff was trying to figure out what to do and all that sort of stuff. And we started off the year in 2017 not in a good way. We recovered because we had to get after them in the middle of the year. But we were complacent. And so I've told everybody in this entire building, I said, this is going to be different. What I learned from the changeover from 16 to 17, it's going to be implemented from 19 to 20. We are actually going to find ways to get better. I've challenged Chris Cornis and his staff, Nolan Meyer and his staff, the performance staff. Come to me with what you want to accomplish next year, both as an individual, as a member of our organization, and something that can help the team win. So I'm pushing all the buttons to make sure that everybody here does a better job and thinks about how they can improve the team. Then from me personally and the coaching staff, I mean, we've already started training plans. I mean, we're not waiting till January. Yeah. Gonzo and Jimmy and Brecky, they're in there working. They, 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 we've got preseason planned out. Grant's been working hard on the CCL preparations. We're going we're gonna to go down to Mexico for the final phase of, of, of uh, preseason next year. And... We're going to be ready. We're, we're, we're going to be ready because I felt like 2016, 2017 was a valuable lessons for me. Mm-hmm. The last question, the big one, and I, I don't know that you care, but I'm going to ask anyway because for whatever reason, it became the talking point leading up to the MLS Cup final. And it was, does Brian Schmetzer get the respect he deserves? And you had an incredible quote that, you know, my wife loves me and my dog loves me. And I thought that was an amazing way to put it. And that's what I care about. <laughs> but one, do you care? And what does it even, I don't know what it means that you get the respect. Do the guys at MLS.com and do they have to say Schmetzer's great for it to be that? I don't know. I think the record and trophies sort of speak for themselves. But on some level, here's the part I would say where I see it. I think if certain other coaches, and I won't name them, but I do have three or four in mind, had the accomplishments you'd had in recent years, we would get think pieces and blogs and they'd be given keynote addresses on their methods and tactics. We don't hear that much about you in that. I think we should hear more. But do you care? Not until you talk to me at, at, on the sideline at LAFC before the game. <laughs> I'm going to give you some kudos because, look, it, it got me thinking. I mean, yeah. maybe, you, maybe you sparked a little bit of flame in my, in my <laughs> thinking. I mean, yeah, how does the world see me? You know, it, for me, the success of this organization always comes first. Mm-hmm. Second behind that is, you know, I talk about it all the time, the relationship between the fans and the players that's what I think this club is all about. Thirdly, you know, I work with a bunch of super talented people. I mean, I have a really tremendous staff. I mean, Gonzo, Jimmy, Precky, Tommy, I can't say enough good things about them. So in many ways, in many ways, the notoriety or lack thereof that, that I find myself in, it really doesn't matter. Because I have the respect of, okay, my wife, my dog, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know. <laughs> 
I have the respect of my assistant coaches, which means a lot. Jimmy is a Champions League winner. (laughs) Gonzo has had a much better career than I have. Precky is a coach of the year. Tommy is my good friend. I mean, he's my conscious. He's the guy sitting on my right shoulder all the time. So I have the respect. Mm -hmm. So in many ways, I don't care what, you know, some of the (laughs) so-called experts say. I will give you this, Steve. It gives me immense pleasure answering your question because, you know, I've actually achieved that success. Yeah. And it does feel good when I see the experts struggling to explain why we win. (laughs) I take a little bit of joy in that. They can't figure our team out. Well, if you can't figure our team out, that's not my problem. That's actually your problem. You're supposed to be the expert. Yeah. So I get a little bit of joy out of that. Love it. Great answer. The very last question I ask you is this, and I don't normally like to single out individual players, but in this case, I will, because I remember speaking with him last season, and he was very down, um, but Jordan Morris, because mm-hmm. the season he had in any circumstance is incredible, but after an ACL injury, in, and then playing out wide when he's always said, I want to be a forward, I want to be a forward. Uh, what can you speak to, what, what worked for him that, he just he went to a different level. Uh, Jordan's always been a confidence kid. <clears throat> so his start, the first game, scored a couple goals. The way the season started for him, I think, was critical. I think had he started off, remember his rookie season, he yeah. didn't score for what, six games? Yeah. Uh, you could just feel the yeah. weight of the shoulder, you know, the weight of the world on his yeah. shoulders. Yeah. And he, he, he scores that kind of toe-poke goal that, that kind of, and he goes on to score, what, 12 goals 12 that goals. year? yeah. I mean, this year he's got a bunch more assists. He was super effective for us. And it came from that fast start that he, that he got. His first game back from that significant injury couldn't have turned out yeah. in, a, in, a, in a better way for that kid's confidence. Yeah, yeah. I did say last one, but this will be the last one here. <laughs> <laughs> We're having a casual conversation. It's okay. <laughs> no, I, enjoy, I enjoy these talks. I enjoy these talks. Um, the biggest thing you've learned... <coughs> since becoming head coach like just it's probably so many things but because i always think at this level managing the personalities is probably takes more of your time than even managing the thinking of the tactics and the game plan and i think we have a really good locker room i think you said it the leader nico he sets the example you have stefan fright these guys are great guys anyway but what's been then the biggest challenge for you becoming head coach and then year after year now discovering more of your strengths, your weaknesses, what works, what doesn't work. What have you learned? I'll, 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 I'll tell you honestly, the reflection that I do most of the time is just, and, and this is going to be a stupid answer for you and all your fans because it's not <laughs> anything life-altering. Um, I just, for me personally, I always have to work on my organizational skills. I mean, that, that, that's been key for me. If I can get better, because I think I have good ideas and good thoughts and I have little scraps of paper here and I write down notes when people are asking me questions because I might forget the you know original question, and then how do I make all these little notes and all the stuff that I see on my desk, how do I get all those ideas across to the players? You know, that's always the trick to coaching because look, all of us have really good ideas. There's been how many, how many top-notch world-class players who've played at the absolute highest levels of our sport have been terrible coaches. So many, yeah. Because they just can't get the information that came so easily for them on the field. They can't get that information across to their players. And so 
organizationally, checking for understanding. Are you a good teacher? We have a lot, we have a bunch of young kids yeah. on the roster. I mean, I almost have to be like a like a high school mm-hmm. educator, yeah. you know. Sometimes, so I think critically a lot about my organization, how I teach, how I coach, how we disseminate the information to the players. We made some pretty good strides this year. We had this uh, this platform called Huddle, mm. where we would push information out to the players, and it was self learning. So they were in charge. So when they opened up their laptop at home. There were the last 10 goals that Toronto had scored. There's the last 10 goals that Toronto took. These are the tendencies of, of Michael Bradley. These are the tendencies of, you know, uh, of Pozuelo. And I think that self-discovery and self-reflection are two really powerful tools. And so how do you message that to the team? Well, we do that because we knew who was on their huddle accounts because we could we could see who was actually watching the film. But you know, those are some of the techniques and organizational stuff that helps us be a good franchise. Yeah. Love it, Coach. Always a pleasure. And just so you know, there's a, there's a few of us here who are very much preaching the gospel of Brian Schmetzer. Uh, it's I think what you guys have done as a staff, the achievements, and the reason I keep bringing up the LAFC games because I know you. Jimmy, Gonzo, Preki, and for the most part, you want to be the team with the ball, dominate, etc. But I think that was the way to beat LAFC. I think, and the fact you identified that and had three goals out of four shots on target, I think helps. But yeah. I think that for me made me understand the genius we have in our coaching stuff. And I think that was the game that stood out. And yeah. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. We wanted to push LAFC into areas of the field that they were not comfortable with. Yeah. Because we knew they they, they, they have the ball against most teams. Yeah. But if we could push them into the areas that they don't want to be in, it would give us a chance. Yeah. And, you know, credit to the coaching staff again, credit to the players. It worked perfectly. It was it was a tremendous, you know, one of the bigger games in this club's yeah, yeah. history. Yeah. Absolutely. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Coach. Welcome back. Thank you, Brian Schmetzer. Always a great time sitting down with my friend, um, head coach, Seattle Sounders FC, Brian Schmetzer. And once again, congratulations to him, his coaching staff, the extended staff, the whole team, the ownership group, the fans, everybody, for the 2019 MLS Cup Championship. Absolutely brilliant. 2020, what happens, what should happen? I'm not going to speculate or get into roster decisions. One, not my job. Two, don't really care. Um, That's not the part of the game that excites me. I care about the tactics. I care about the trophies. I care about more of the big picture things rather than the personnel, who's here, who's not here. Because whoever is here or isn't here, the Seattle Sounders is still the Seattle Sounders. Great players have come and gone before, and the franchise rolls on. So that's the approach I take. With that said, I'm going to be probably consistent in this belief. Next season, 2020, the trophy that the Seattle Sounders should prioritize is the Champions League. Without 
question. In the trophy cabinet, there are some Open Cup trophies. In the trophy cabinet, there's a Supporter Shield trophy. In the trophy cabinet, there's multiple MLS Cup championships. That's what those two stars mean. There is no CONCACAF Champions League. We've shown we can be the best in the country, the best in North America. Have to try and conquer North and Central America. Compete against the best teams, primarily from Mexico. The Santos and Tigres and Monterrey and Chivas and those teams who've been dominating this region for years in that competition. The Champions League is the Champions League. Euro the European Champions League, we all know of. They have that one. Liverpool won that one and they're the kings of Europe. Can the Sounders become the kings of the Americas, Central and North? It's going to be a short off-season because of that. But we've been through this twice before, the short off-season. So the experience should kick in, the coaching staff, the performance staff, the sports science, all that stuff you invest millions of dollars into to let you know how to best recover the players. And it should kick in now. This is why you make those investments. And then when everyone returns, day one, team meeting of preseason, the message should be clear. The Champions League. The Champions League. Of course, you want to have a good regular season and win the Shield if you can. Of course, to make it three MLS Cup championships would be incredible in 2020. But if you could pick one trophy right now, it has to be the Champions League. Haven't we've, we've experienced MLS Cup away and at home. We've experienced Open Cup away and at home. I was a part of those teams. It's great. But I want to see this club go the next level, which is now competing with the very best in the entire region. And with that in mind, with that in mind, I would love to see the club prioritize the Champions League. The Champions League. Come out the gates firing. Try to win those games. You maybe can't afford to drop a couple MLS games early on because, let's be honest, the way the rosters are here... It's just not big enough and enough depth to compete with the budgets that the top teams in Mexico have. So what you do is you put your best 11, your best 14, and you ride those guys through the Champions League. And in the league, in MLS play early on, you're going to have to rely on the guys who are 15 through 22 or on the roster, 15 through 24, a lot more than maybe you will in June, July, you know, August, September, and so on. That's just the reality. We don't have the budget of Manchester City, of Liverpool, of Barcelona, where they've got two, three guys for every position. You take one guy out, you put another guy out. He's also a national team player. He's on the same level. It's not the case. MLS is not there yet. So you take what you have, and I would say put your best squad in the Champions League early on. Make a statement. Try to win it. And then stay in touch. Don't discard or disregard MLS. No, it's very serious, of course, but you'll have time in that one to recover, as we've seen before. The Champions League has to be important. That'd be my advice. And that'd be my priority for 2020. If I was the coach, I'm not. That coach is Brian Schmetzer. But as I've said before, great minds think alike.
And I have a sneaky suspicion that they're going to be pushing very hard for that trophy. It's been a pleasure. Once again, I don't know if this is the second, third year. I have no idea. Um, when you get older, you stop remembering those things. But we'll be back in a short while. Wow, it's not going to be that long because it's a short off-season. We're going to bring you all the pre-season coverage, the roster moves, who's in, who's out, all that good stuff. And we'll make a couple of little changes next year. Had a couple of little cool segments, I'm sure. But as I said, it's been a pleasure. Thank you always for the download, subscribing, the comments, the interaction on social media. I will see you all, let's say, in February, just to be safe.